Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Josh. And we host the Pretty OK Gamers Podcast. Think of our show as water cooler conversations with a little less gossip and a little more geeking out. My Halo, I think, is Legend of Zelda. What? No way. No. Who are you again? I'm Justin, and we're we're (laughs) rather okay at playing pretty good games. No, no. Every week, we talk about games and their history, and even ask ridiculous questions like, are open world games even good? So come join us every Sunday on the HP Gaming Podcast Network. See you there. See ya. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash artcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 186 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who trapped himself in the bathroom after removing the door, Robert Workman. It's those escape room, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is. I do terrible escape rooms. <laughs> you know, like somebody locks the door or something like that. Uh, it's just... You're supposed to add stuff, not take things away. That's how it works, okay? <laughs> yeah, but you know, what am I supposed to do? Tear apart the toilets? Paper dispenser? That's that's not how it works. I just... So, yeah, um, fortunately, I have better luck in bathrooms than my Sims characters. Uh, but that's exactly what we are talking about today. We are talking about the virtual reality that is The Sims. And uh, we have a great special guest to discuss it with us. Who do we got, David? Yes, uh, so with us is Madison Campbell. Uh, so Madison, why don't you uh, tell people basically like what you're all about and I guess why you're newsworthy also lately. Yeah, so I'm an incredibly controversial person who is starting an at-home rape kit, which is not as fun as playing video games at all. <laughs> and it's a super serious topic, but you know, we're honestly like trying to fix government corruption and try to make the criminal justice system a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of, you know, my... Like, the way that I view the world, it has kind of been influenced by simulation games in a weird way. Um, It's like, you can kind of do anything, and you can kind of move things around, and you can fix it. And when you don't like it, you take it out, and you do something else. And I think the world is kind of like that, and I'm kind of trying to simulation eyes the world that we live in and the government got really mad at that for some reason yeah yeah the government doesn't really like when you try to take control of your own body a lot of times so um i totally understand that i mean what do you think medical care is the way it is but that's a topic for yeah 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 that's something to do like a political podcast for sure but um you definitely caught my eye with what you're doing there madison and uh, you know i'm really happy to have you on the show and also talk about like the sims as well um, but before we get into The Sims, uh, we, we have some news topics here to get into, uh, most notably here with Amazon and what they're planning to do in terms of getting into the streaming service themselves, uh, kind of like how Google Stadia is. Um, so basically, this is a story that came from CNET, 
And um, this is basically like a story that uh, came from a couple of people apparently close to the project here. Uh, basically from CNET saying uh, Amazon's plan to announce its service next year, according to two people familiar with the company's plans, has begun recruiting people from large game companies like Microsoft to help with the launch, as well as hiring for jobs in a new initiative within its Amazon Web Services team, which sources said is involved in Amazon's future gaming service. And um, they're uh, quoted here also uh, from like a job posting, actually, saying, we believe the evolution that began with arcade communities a quarter at a time growing to the live streams and esports of today will continue to a future where everyone is a gamer and every gamer can create, compete, collaborate and connect with others at massive scales. So that does sound like they're going to get into this whole streaming business game. Basically, as Stadia did, Stadia had some trouble in the get-go here. Uh, they're oh, still trying to play a little trouble? bit. Some, some trouble, trouble, yeah. Way, not the way to put it. They can even broadcast <laughs> games in 4K like they initially promised. They're so. trying to play some catch-up for sure. Uh, so, Robert, let's have you start off. Actually, what do you think about Amazon joining uh, this whole competition here? Well, there's some pros and cons to it. The pros is that they have the streaming know-how now because they've acquired you know Twitch a few years ago. So they understand right. how the streaming culture works. They understand what people want from the streaming culture. So they have kind of a, a lead there. And another pro is that they're getting a lot of talent, I believe, from the Microsoft camp. So, mm. you know, some of the people that might have worked on this whole uh, Project xCloud service. Might With Xbox curious. Live even, too. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Uh, but then there are some negatives. Uh, first of all, it's Amazon. And, you know, um, not everybody's crazy about Amazon, you know, but I'm sure they're going to use it like heck mm-hmm. anyway. And another thing to consider is that whenever they try to get into game initiatives, it doesn't always take off. You know, like they have these game studios, but half of them get shuttered or or they had like they had some sort of ambitious free to play game a couple of years ago. And they kind of faded away, too, because mm. of lack of interest. So didn't they uh, get the same studio that worked on Killer Instinct? Yeah, they did. Uh, and I don't know what they're doing now. That's the thing. Mm. You know, it's like um, the name escapes me at the moment. But uh, yeah, they originally worked on Killer Instinct. They also did the um, new Strider game that Capcom produced. A That's few years right. Ago too. And, uh, I mean, yeah, Double Helix Games. That's the name of the studio. Double Helix, and that's right. it's been a while since we've seen anything that they're up to. So it, it kind of has me wondering, you know, um, Amazon really wants to get this initiative going. But, you know, they got to take care of their own studios first. And then they, you know, then you can move on into something like, okay, here's what we're going to do with gaming. Because, you know, remember Google Stadia, they got like Jade Raymond from Assassin's Creed right. fame and everything. And we, we heard of all these great initiatives and everything like that. And then the system launched and, you know... Nothing, you know, it's, just, mm-hmm. you know, all these games that run crappily or eat up like 100 gigs data an hour from what I heard, which is kind of ridiculous. So, I mean, Amazon's got a lot of research that they're going to put into this. I mean, they had the money. The money's not the problem. The teams aren't the problem. The problem is just making sure the service is manageable and working. Right. And I feel like a lot of that might not even have to do like with them necessarily, but just like the online infrastructure that we have in this country anyway. Like, I just yeah. don't feel like we're really equipped to be able to handle stuff like this at this very moment. I, I, I guess like it's good anyway that these mega companies are setting them up in order to uh, make sure that these are in place anyway for like the future. But Madison, like I was, I was curious, actually, like, uh, what you think about um, about like Amazon, like jump, you know, joining in the game here now. I kind of feel like it was, so I used to do like a lot of work in like the space industry, which I know is kind of also really obscure, Mm -hmm. like rape kits and then space. Um, (laughs) So it kind of feels like whenever they did um, Blue Origin and they tried to get involved and then it just massively, like they had so much money, they had so much talent, they were trying to kind of put all of that together, but it didn't really work. 
And so this is kind of like the same thing, right? It's like they always try to go into these obscure type of industries and then realize that like you have SpaceX there and like SpaceX is just way ahead and they're doing things better and they have more knowledge. But Amazon comes in and it's like, we have money, we'll figure it out. So (laughs) I just don't know if this is going to like apply or really, you know, you know, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. Amazon's trying to jump on every single bandwagon. Um, does that mean that it's going to be good? Probably not, because they're not going to be focusing all of their energy into it like other streaming platforms. I mean, I guess that was kind of the concern, too, with like Google, because Google obviously has like a lot of like different services and products and all that as well. With Amazon, they do seem to be in a better position, I guess, in terms of having Twitch in their pocket, also having like the storefront there, too. So they can essentially be like their own storefront, or at least they have like the storefront infrastructure like in place in order to kind of make that happen. So at least as far as like compared to Google, I actually have a little more faith in Amazon in order to successfully do this. But again, I, th- I feel like it ultimately boils down to just like the, you know, the online infrastructure, like I've said, day in, day out, like every time we talk about a topic like this um, on the podcast. So I don't know, it, like I'm, I'm just I'm just really skeptical, I guess, with where we are currently in order to support a system like this. Um, but I mean, I feel like if anyone, you know, if anyone can do it, you know, certainly Amazon maybe, but you know, I, I feel like that they're going to be like paying close attention to what Google is doing right now with Stadia in order to kind of learn a lot from that and, uh, come out with like the better product. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, we'll kind of have to wait and see on that. Um, but one thing we're also uh, kind of hoping for and waiting to see on is more Metroid games. Uh, so there was a rumor some time ago for a Metroid Prime Trilogy HD, uh, some time ago, but uh, there's also a rumor that just popped up here for a Super Metroid remake. Uh, yeah. So, Robert, what can you make of this? So, a Twitter user by the name of Leaky Pandy, great name by the way, um, <laughs> who has actually nailed these rumors in the past, indicated that we'll see both Metroid Prime Trilogy HD and Super Metroid remake uh, sometime within the next two fiscal years. Now, according to what it says here, uh, the Metro Super Metroid remake will be similar in style and scope to Metroid Samus returns which was released on 3ds a while back which could indicate that mercury steam might be behind it possibly that's rumored obviously and then metroid prime trilogy you know we've been talking about this before it was supposed to supposedly surface because we needed a game to play while we were waiting forever for metroid prime 4 which is now being handled once again by retro studios right which that project had to be done all over again too yeah because bandai namco didn't exactly fit the scope so they handed it right back to the developers which they should have done in the first place but whatever but i mean the whole thing sounds like what's going to happen is it's going to be a lead up to metroid prime 4 so what's going to happen is we're going to see one of these two titles first then the following year we'll see the next title then we'll start to see you know metroid prime 4 start to surface whenever developments finish so Mm -hmm. it might be a while but we do have the game awards coming up next month and nintendo is known to surprise these things last year they announced marvel ultimate alliance 3 out of nowhere right? Mm-hmm. So there's a possibility we could get a hint of one of these games at that show. I mean, nothing is confirmed yet, obviously, but they are known surprise with something out of left field. So fingers crossed that we get a Metroid announcement of one yeah. of these two games. I mean, I would personally love to play Remake more, although Metroid Prime Trilogy, I am not going to kick away. I'm not. Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been able to play any of those um, of those Prime games, honestly. So this would be like a good opportunity for me to, you know, to dive into those. Uh, so Madison, uh, I was curious if you're a Metroid fan at all, and um, even even if you're not, like at the very least, I was, I was I was hoping if you would answer the question also if you would want, uh, if given the opportunity anyway, for Samus Aran to be the spokesperson for the Me Too kits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like yeah, like definitely. I so 
I never personally played Metroid when I was growing up, but my, my father did. And basically the reason why I'm into video games is because of my father. Mm, and okay. so like, um, like I had this relationship with him where I would go to his house like every weekend and I would just watch him play video games. And this is one of the first GameCube like uh, video games that I watched him play. Um, and, and so like, I've always been a really big fan and I always watched it and I never played myself. So I think that a remake would be really great because it would kind of allow like me to kind of get into this new generation of memory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And be able to like experience just like how your dad did or be like a way to, <laughs> yeah. know, for you and your dad to reconnect also through like the game that you watched him play for the first time there. So that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see those um, those announcements made soon. I mean, it seems likely anyway, because as you mentioned there, Robert, uh, this um, this Twitter user Leaky Pandy uh, de- definitely has a history anyway with getting things right here, uh, namely with the Banjo Kazooie unveiling uh, for Super Smash Bros. Ultimates. So uh, we'll cross our fingers for that. Um, so we'll switch over to another Nintendo property here with Pokemon with a couple stories we got here, actually, um, with uh, there's like a couple of like retro openings that Instagram user Sindorman uh, made here uh, for Pokemon Sword and Shield. So if you remember like how the like intros went like for like the old school Pokemon games, like, you know, they have like the da 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 with the pixel <laughs> art and all that stuff. Uh, so he... Oh, no, you got me doing it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so he basically gave, like, the same treatment here for Pokemon Sword and Shield. So you're seeing, like, the pixel art version of, like, uh, Grookey and, like, all the other new Pokemon basically in there, Score Bunny and whatnot. So, uh, so yeah, you know, it's pretty cool to see and, uh, you know, definitely something that um, I certainly appreciate as, as a retro gaming fan and old school Pokemon fan as well. Uh, so, Madison, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you got to see, like, the videos here, but what do you think about them if you did? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Pokemon fan. So Pokemon was like the first game that I ever played as a kid. Um, And I used to do it um, like on long car rides. And I used to, okay, so I don't know if you guys remember, but there was this thing called a hit clip. Do you remember? Do you know what those? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is really embarrassing, right? So I had a hit clip, but I had a Pokemon hit clip. And I would p- play that theme song over and over again. <laughs> and so in Car Rise, I would put the hit clip on. And my like mother like would have to listen to it like eight times in a row. And she got so frustrated. Enough already. You and that Tamagotchi, I swear. Yeah, exactly. So you get it. So like when I see this... I see this artwork. I think it's really amazing. And I think it's, you know, just it brings me back. And it's, you know, it's like my childhood. Like, I I love that so much. I mean, I love what they've done with the new Pokemon games. They feel so like, I don't know, they they feel so it's like juvenile, but very like open and fun. But you got to love like the retro stuff. Like, I want to kind of like go back to having like a retro, you know, like, Game Boy and be able to play in the back of my mom's car and play that, you know, loud, annoying music. Like, I love that. I mean, that's like a big reason, honestly, why things like this are very popular is just because people do miss those old school, like, graphics and the music and all that stuff, um, which is also like a big reason why going into like the next story here, uh, there's a Twitter user, Cortuni, uh, who basically made 3D models of the sprites from the old school Pokemon games. 
so he has 3D models here for Porygon, Ditto King, Dragonair, and Haunter. Uh, so basically he has like gifts of each of these where it shows like the original sprite side by side with the with the 3D model. And at first you can't tell the difference, but then the other the, the 3D model actually rotates, uh, which is pretty cool. So it, it's really shows like the attention to detail and just, you know, as far as like how it looks, I mean, especially when you look at Dragonair, uh, since it's very kind of like, you know, snake like and everything, you, you actually really get to see like the depth with like how its body is like in the sprite, like with a kind of like spiraling outwards and all that. Um, so it's actually pr- pretty cool. So, um, Madison, I was, I was, you know, I was curious, like if you got to see these and what you thought of them. Yeah, I love them. Um, I mean, I, I frequent, like there's a subreddit called pixel art, um, which I go on all the time on Reddit. And this is, I, this actually I'm pretty sure was trending the other day. Um, and so I think it's just really awesome. I think we like pixel art is just so beautiful. I, I love kind of what they've done, um, with this. And I would love to see kind of like, a version of the new Pokemon games with kind of the old, um, you know, 3D models. Like, could they make something like that? That would be, you know, a very interesting rendition. I mean, this Twitter user did, so I don't see why not. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> uh, Robert, I was kind of curious on what you thought of this also. These are pretty cool. I mean, I know a lot of Pokemon fans who would actually like to see that older version of the game come back as some sort of like, you know, official game release. I mean, it probably won't happen because obviously we have the main game releases. Sure. But these models are pretty cool as well. I mean, it just goes to show that these Pokemon fans are really inspired and not just putting Jigglypuff in everything. You know, <laughs> it actually shows a little bit of innovation here. So it's I wouldn't mind that either, honestly. So. <laughs> just Jigglypuff goes to the movies. Exactly. Yeah. Jig- Jigglypuff goes to the gym. <laughs> Welcome. And that's going to lead us now into what are you playing? What gets in the games we've all been playing or have recently beat? So Madison, uh, what have you been playing? Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of um, City Skylines. Hmm. Ooh, nice. Mostly I've been going into debt a lot. Um, <laughs> I've been driving my cities um, pretty far into debt. But I've just been experimenting with, you know, a bunch of different things and kind of figuring out how I can, I don't know, just have fun with it. Yeah. That's cool, yeah, because I know those games are kind of like SimCity-like in a way. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, I mean, what game of SimCity haven't we played where we asked for Godzilla to destroy the city? Let's be <laughs> exactly, yeah. How about you there, Robert? Uh, I've been playing a few things. I'm still working on uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I actually just finished my review, but I thought I'd do a little more exploring in that one. And uh also been playing some more of Need for Speed Heat. That one's a pretty, pretty nice little turnaround after the disappointment that was Need for Speed Payback. So right, yeah. Happy to get into that again. And then eh, curiosity got me. I was able to get a code for Overwatch and Nintendo Switch. Oh. And um I'll be honest, the performance, I mean, it's it's a level below Xbox One and PS4. You know, it runs about 30 frames per second and everything. But the sheer convenience of being able to play on a portable screen is not bad. You know, it actually looks pretty good on the Nintendo Switch, you know, and uh, online matches seem to work pretty well without any lag to speak of. I mean, the, Blizzard did do their homework with the research in this game. So I still prefer the Xbox One version. But eh, like I said, it was just curiosity sort of thing. So I gave it a go and eh, it's... It's not bad. And then uh, the big game I want to talk about this week is Bubble Bobble for Friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is out in Europe. It's not going to be out in the U.S. until like quarter one 2020 for some reason, but I'm impatient. So. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's got the old school uh, setup. You know, the gameplay is really good. And you can play up to four players. I think that's the big hook here is that you can play it in co-op. And it's just really neat. If you're a fan of like um, of the Bubble Bobble games, it's definitely worth checking out. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. What about you, David? What have you been playing? 
Uh, sure. So I'm still playing through Shenmue 3 right now. Um, so I'm in the second area right now, which um, I believe uh, that's like the last area you're in. Like it's basically Bailu uh, Village and then you go into Nau. I forget exactly like what, like what the city is called, <laughs> but it's like some, something right. like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's basically like more of like an actual like port city kind of thing. So like you have like a bunch of shops and like, you know, there's gambling games and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, so like I'm, I'm, I'm in that part and just kind of like, you know, just playing through it. Uh, there's still like obviously like issues with it as far as it feeling like a game that should have came out 20 years ago more or less um, but it's still like a lot of fun and uh, you know as far as like just going back to like a new Shenmue game um, even if it does play you know pretty much exactly how it did before I mean it's, it's just it's just cool to see like a new Shenmue game and I'm just really interested to see uh, how the story is going to progress and especially if there's going to be like a Shenmue 4 which we're hearing about um, you know, I'm definitely excited to see what else is going to come from, from the series. So hopefully they'll make some adjustments to kind of make it more modernized. So, uh, aside from that, also I've been playing through Night in the Woods, uh, slowly but surely, uh, been liking it so far. Um, it's definitely been like a slow burn for me, but I'm definitely liking it. It's definitely intriguing because it's just very, like very much like its own thing, I guess. Like it's just kind of hard to really nail it down. Um, but I'm definitely enjoying it. It, it actually does kind of feel Shenmue-like in a sense, like where you are meant to kind of, you know, explore around the town and just kind of get to know, like, the people and know where, you know, where everything is day in and day out and all that. Um, it's almost like a life sim, I guess, in a way. So, um, so you know, it's a lot of fun, though. Uh, and also, I got the urge recently uh, to play Manhunt again. Um, maybe it's like a bit of a palate cleanse, maybe, from Night in the Woods. I don't know, because Night in the Woods is definitely, like, a little more cutesy in its, like, art style and everything, and Manhunt is about as gritty and violent as you can get, pretty much, so... I'm starting to get concerned about your taste in games there, David. Yeah, so I've played through Manhunt before, uh, back on the PlayStation 2, um, and, yeah, so I, I remember beating it and everything, but, like, I did recently pick it up on PS4, I was just kind of sitting there in my folder, so I figured, you know, just kind of pick it up, because I just kind of got the urge to... And, um, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's cool. I, I like the, like, stealth, you know, aspect of it, like the stealth mechanics and sneaking up on people and getting, like, the uh, gruesome kills and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun in that regard. Um, one thing that I did remind myself of, like, while playing is that uh, there are guns later on in the game. And so that's, like, something that I, at least I remember from my original playthrough, something that I wasn't completely wild about. Um, but certainly the one highlight, at least like from that first playthrough is when you're up against like the, uh, that pig monster guy, um, who's like chasing you all around. So that's, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that part. Uh, so there is a game here that you could play as well, uh, called Evergarden on Steam. This is the game code I'm giving away. So lose yourself in an endlessly satisfying puzzle game set in the midst of a mysterious forest world. Transform your garden by combining plants, the strange new forms and unearth deeply hidden secrets as you become engrossed in the game's calming rhythm. Wander into the forest and help bring it back to life with the help of Fen, your creature guide. Evergarden may feel familiar at first, but you will discover it it is like no game you have played before. So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. Again, this is a Steam code. The code is K458EK0L5JQ825W. Again, that's Evergarden on Steam. Enjoy. And if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at our podcast on Twitter. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we are talking about the Sims games, we'll talk about the other Sims game, which we haven't talked about in the Stage of History, which is The Sims 2. So this is a 2004 life simulation game by Maxis. It sold 1 million copies in its first 10 days, which was a record at the time. It is the first game in the series to incorporate a 3D graphics engine. 
And in 2005, infamous attorney Jack Thompson alleged that the game promoted nudity with visible genitals through a mod or cheat code <laughs> uh, in which a EA executive, Jeff Brown, uh, responded, this is nonsense. We, we reviewed 100% of the content. There is no content inappropriate for a teen audience. Players never see a nude sim. If someone with an extreme amount of expertise and time were to remove the pixels, they would see that the sims have no genitals. They appear like Ken and Barbie. <laughs> so, <laughs> like they actually had to go and look and be like, yeah, I don't see any balls. Yeah, yeah. That's a real quote from an EA executive. So, <laughs> um, so Madison, have you played The Sims 2? I did. Um, and to me, like, I have such clear memories of playing The Sims 3 and The Sims that I had to, like, look back at The Sims 2 and kind of remember. And I don't remember that much mm. of, like, what the differences were between The Sims 2 and The Sims 3. I remember some of, like, the different um, expansion packs. And there was also, okay, there was also this weird, I don't know if it was an expansion pack or it was only, like, in a, a Wii game, but there's this thing called The Sims 2 Castaway. Oh, right, yeah. You're, like, on, like, an island or something like that. It was so weird, kind of. I mean, but, you know, thinking of, like, how I grew up with, like, The Sims, and then, you know, this as being, like, you know, the first kind of 3D stuff, I mean, I thought it was so awesome, right? Like, this was, like, one of the coolest things that I've ever seen. I mean, I remember spending so much time, like, you know, one, I would mod the game like crazy, but two, you know, kind of, like, with all the mods that I would do, you know, really shifting, um, you know, the characters and kind of really figuring out, like, and it's like an interesting thing of when you're like a a girl or like a young boy or young girl like growing up with video games to think of like, oh, like video games can do this. Like we can customize it. We can make it really like specific. Make it your own video, in that case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about like The Sims 2 as being, you know, you now look at it like every single game that you can customize your character. I mean, w like The Sims 2 was kind of like that first thing at least in my mind of you know introducing me to that world hmm. right that's fair yeah uh robert have you played the sims 2 i have but it was on console <laughs> hmm. okay. which is a little bit different you know i think like the sims 2 was like one of those games that really expanded to like a number of different consoles at the time it came out for playstation 2 came out for xbox came out for gamecube came out for like playstation portable if you can believe that you know it came just, out for a lot of things i know yeah yeah this was like one of the big um, games to spread across a number of different consoles and it was different playing it on the console because you had to use like a different control type but mm -hmm. it was still pretty cool they had the general basics of the gameplay down and i really didn't know how to take care of people so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like uh, kind of like a puppy you or something just use like rosebud over and over again <laughs> I, I can't even take care of myself ask dave I, I can't even you know so how am i supposed to take care of these virtual people but this was fun you know i think i got more into like the sims 2 busting out which was mm. the little spinoff that also came out for consoles a little bit later. So, yeah, yeah, I think I got more into that at the time. But what's uh, so funny about this is, so I had a dinner about oh maybe like four or five weeks ago, and I was we were talking about video games, and I was sitting next to a girl who was she was a very interesting character who spoke very freely about like positivity around sex and stuff like that and so I used I, I started talking about my sims and I used to be like yeah when I was a kid you know I would put my sims in a pool and then I would take out the ladder and she was like 
oh, tell me more. Like, that's so great. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. You're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he's like, oh, that's so erotic. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. I'm like, <laughs> Where's um, this going? And then I, I know. And then, and I was like, oh, well, you know, sometimes I'd put them in a kitchen and then I'd take out the door and they were left with the stove and they would burn themselves to death. And then, <laughs> you know, like the Grim Reaper couldn't get in because there was no door. So the Grim Reapers were just like, I'll go around. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's so great. I'm like, what? Like, what dinner am I at right now? Like, this is <laughs> And that's kind of what got me thinking about the sim to, like, want to talk about it again. It's because I was at a random dinner and I, I found myself, like, like, as a compliment to me, talking about my sims as being like, oh, that's something very attractive that you, you locked your sims and you tortured them as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a very personal thing for you because it's like your Sims, it's your scenarios. It's like how it all plays out in your head and how you made it play out like in the game in that case. So, yeah. It also makes me think of like, what kind of child was I that I was doing that? <laughs> like, um, I have this very distinct memory because my dad tells me about the story that we were on a trip from, I'm originally from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So we were going from Pittsburgh to New Jersey. And he put, he stuck me in the back of the car with a laptop playing the Sims. And like I, I would just torture them for like like six hour long car rides. And I like I, you know, I think about like the person I am today, and I'm like, am I proud of that? Like, and what is like what is the child psychology like? Could you have like a child psychologist? It's like, well, like why don't you describe your you know child Sims behavior? Like, how are they doing this? Oh, you know that there might be disease or something like that. Because like that's like a crazy thing to do, you know. I mean, uh, like, I guess, like, for any, like, normal person or, like, anyone who, like, is able to kind of separate that, um, you know, the fiction from reality, um, they're yeah. able to, like, you know, kind of, like, see, like, the fun in doing that to, like, virtual people that don't actually, you know, feel or anything like that and know that's, you know, it wouldn't be right to actually do that to a real person in real life. Yeah, you know? it'd be very difficult to remove a ladder from a pool while people are swimming, you know? It'd be, it'd be tricky, yeah. It'd be tricky. <laughs> or a door from a house. Yeah, it'd be very tricky very time consuming wouldn't do it and that's gonna lead us now to obscura and for obscura i wanted to do something a little bit different uh, i still wanted to talk about a sims game but i want to talk about a spin-off series that was kind of made for the nintendo systems in mind that's my sims agents uh, and basically what you are, uh, you play a member of the Sim Protection Agency. Where were you guys when I was killing off my Sims? <laughs> <laughs> and basically you're put in charge and you are asked to solve cases. And you will work alongside the agency, unlocking a headquarters where you can decorate using furniture that you purchased or that you get in the game. But you're also able to hire Sims that you meet during gameplay as junior agents who will help you to solve not only your case, but also their own cases. Uh, there are several tools that you available that are available within the game, like the wrench, which you use to take apart things, a magnifying glass to look for clues and track footsteps of subjects, and also the crowbar, which is used to open objects. And yeah, th- this was a neat little spinoff here. I mean, the thing is, it, it wasn't nearly as in-depth as um, older Sims games, but I think it was made more with kids in mind, you know, because when yeah. you really said like game like on the Wii, 
you know, they did really Sims games like Sims 3 and Sims 3 Castaways. But, I mean, they also wanted to make sure that they had something that appealed to kids. Now, here's the interesting fact. The Wii version was developed by Visceral Games, the same guys that made Dead Space. Right. Imagine being a developer that goes like, yes, it's dark and harrowing and everything like that. What do you want us to work on? A, a Sims kids game. Okay, yeah, sure, we could do that. Yeah, sure, no, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's Don't a Lego we... crowd with that, yeah. yeah. Oh, who, who hit the glue here early, guys? What's going <laughs> <on>? <laughs> but it, it is a pretty cool game, and you just have to keep in mind that, you know, it's made more with kids in mind. You know, it's obviously not going to appeal to hardcore Sims fans, but I did think it was kind of interesting that, number one, they would do something with the Sims that appealed more to kids. And number two, they put Viscroll in charge of developing it. You know, mm. it's just a little oddball connection there. So I thought this would be worth talking about a little bit. Um, I don't suppose either of you have played My Sims Agents, have you? I, I didn't. No. <laughs> I personally have never even like heard of it, honestly. So I'm glad you brought it up, though, because it's definitely obscure. So. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Everybody's obscure. But yeah, I, I thought this was worth talking about a little bit here, because all the other games we, we seem to recognize, you know, Sims 2, pet, you know, Sims 3 Pets, uh, all these other different spinoffs, which we'll get into in a moment. But we really didn't cover my Sims that much. So yeah, there you go. Hello, my name's Richard Moss, and I make a podcast called The Life and Times of Video Games. It's a narrative and documentary style show about games history and how the medium has evolved over time. Each episode or bonus interview soundbite delves into some aspect of the ups and downs of the industry, or the design, development, and legacy of the best or most interesting games ever made. It's all carefully edited, complete with original music and sound design, and a mix of interviews and deep research. All set up to tell you a great story about the secret worlds behind all within video games. I hope you enjoy the show. And that's going to lead us now to the main topic, which is looking back at the Sims franchise. So I figure we'll start off actually with uh, what made this series like so popular, basically. I remember that there was like a story back in um, E3 1999, and I, I'm not sure if you were there, Robert, uh, but there was uh, there was like a booth for The Sims before it came out, and um, there was a showing of two female Sims kissing during a wedding, uh, which mm-hmm. really caught everyone's attention because that just wasn't a thing as far as like having like a gay couple showing affection within a video game and yeah. being there in the biggest like gaming show there is of the year pretty much uh, was kind of a big deal and certainly got people talking about the Sims. So um, I was kind of, I, I was curious like if you were actually there uh, for, you know, for that to happen. Mm, I think I might've missed that, but I did remember hearing about it and I, I think this was back before you know, like the internet got super mega trolling, but I know some it people was, were like, yeah. there were up there were some people that were up in arms about it, but like, well, what is this? I thought the Sims were straight or something like some stupid lady. <laughs> I thought the Sims were straight. All yeah. Sims are straight. Straight yeah. Sims, come on. But, right. No, I mean it is cool, you know, it is cool that well before, you know, how games change these days, you know, to kind of accept that more. Back then, you know, it was like, okay, no, you could do whatever you want in the Sims. If you want your character to be in to males and the females do what you want you know and it, it was really great open choice there so i mean I, I was happy about it but some people some people were like well wait wait i don't want this in my games you know politics no it's not politics it's <laughs> politics yeah. yeah i know sure. yeah it's um yeah it's, it's very interesting though because I, th- I think like before the team was actually on the fence whether or not to include gay relationships in the game mm-hmm. and yeah. 
they had someone like working on the AI. Like I remember re- reading on this, so I'm kind of going by like what what I'm remembering, but. Um, I like I remember like the person who's in charge basically of handling the relationships basically in the game like programming it and everything uh he was able to figure out how to make it work in a more natural kind of sense and so when he was putting together like the demo that was going to be shown during E3 a lot of things were supposed to be like on rails basically so sims were supposed to act always in a certain way for the sake of the demo to show the game in the best light and all that stuff uh, mm-hmm. But apparently he didn't have enough time in order to do it for all the characters. So that's basically what prompted just randomly uh, these two females to kiss in, you know, during like a wedding scene, uh, which is very interesting. And um, it, it's almost like, I don't know, I guess like empowering in a sense, like it's kind of like these two virtual characters kind of like being there for gay rights in a sense and in the biggest gaming stage that there is. So it's it's very interesting how that happened. It got a lot of people talking about the game and it, it brought like a lot of faith for EA in the game as well because remember before the sims the sim franchise was kind of like a little bit of flux because because the games before that were like sim ants and games like that you know like basically these like other like i think sim earth was also before that as well so like these other games that were didn't quite nail uh you know it, that didn't quite hit the nail on the head um as far as like the actual sim city games uh, but then, like The Sims came out, and just became like a runaway hit when that came out. So, and I, you know, honestly, like I think a lot of that too just has to, you know, has to deal with the, the sheer open-ended nature of the gameplay and how it, it really does attract both men and women in a sense. As far as like, you know, you have like these people like who you can kind of like control a bit, but they still move around and kind of like do like their own schedule in a sense. But you can kind of, um, you know, still still directly command them. So. It, it, it is almost like a little bit of like playing God, which I think, you know, anyone, no matter what your sex is, um, that you're able to like enjoy in that sense. So, um, so Madison, I was kind of curious, like, as far as like with like the Sims franchise, uh, what, what like first got you interested in it? Oh, see, that's, it's so hard because it was so long ago. It um, was. <laughs> it wasn't uh, that long ago. It make, make us feel old. So. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not long ago at all. I mean, no, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to show my age. I was born in 1995. Mm-hmm. So I was like. Your age. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> Back in my day. So like The Sims came out in 2000, didn't it? The first Sims. Um, I believe, yeah, 2000, I want to say, yeah. Yeah, so I was five. So I remember getting into the game when I was like um, eight, nine, ten-ish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember the, the thing that I, as a young kid, so before Sims, before like computers, I would play with Legos all mm. the time. Okay. Um, and then I, I never was a doll type, like, you know, girl growing up, but I would play with like the little kind of poly pockets and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, because they would fit inside of my little Lego towers. Like, and so I'd build these cities and I think it was like a natural thing for me to go from like Legos to Sims. Because it was building, it was creating, um, and I loved kind of like that, I don't know, expansion of my mind, right? And so that's kind of what got me into it. Also, I remember in school, like we, the only game that we were allowed to pay, play was Lemonade Tycoon. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Do, do you guys I remember, remember that. that? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was like, I think that might have been one of the first games I ever played was like Lemonade Tycoon. Mm. And so um, I had like gotten really into tycoon type games. And so when Sims kind of, you know, was introduced to me, it seemed like, you know, a mix of the things that I really liked, which was like tycoon growing money, kind of all that kind of stuff, as well as like building. And 
the biggest thing that I spent the majority of my time on in playing The Sims was building. Like, I, I wouldn't even really care that much about, like, the interpersonal relationships or, you know, growing families, you know, over generations. I would focus on creating these, like, awesome, like, cities and, and houses and stuff like that. Right, yeah. That's cool, yeah. Because, cause, yeah, because I remember, like, that was always, like, a big part of it for me when I first played The Sims um, was that, okay, I have this plot of land and yeah, you can have like your own like house that's like, that's, that's made by the game already. Uh, but I always like tore it down and just wanted to start anew. Like I wanted to kind of like make like my ideal house basically. And so that would be like half, if not more of the game for me, honestly, just building out this house and making the things I want to make and using the rosebud code, um, basically to like have an unlimited (laughs) fund. So you're making the house right from the get go. And then once you actually have the house that you want, then the game starts. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny, like I'm reading that Will Wright, um, he wanted to create this after losing his home during the Oakland firestorm of 1991. And so he was like rebuilding his life. Um, And so it makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, the same thing that he was, you know, inspired to do in creating this game, which was, you know, like the world is so complicated out there. And, you know, crazy things can happen. Let's, you know, let's take it all down and let's allow people to build these things that they might not ever be able to build in real life. And I think that that was like, you know, something that really caught my eye as a kid that, you know, still to this day, like I'm, I'm literally, I'm playing SimCity, you know, Skyline. So I'm playing it more on like, you know, the SimCity and not just like, you know, one individual party, but still like it's incredibly calming to know that you can build this kind of thing and you can see it grow. And you can make it magnificent and spectacular. Um, that 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 is what gaming to me should be all about. Mm. Yeah, I mean, certainly the creativity behind it. I mean, like, I feel like more than any other game, really, like The Sims, kind of like really um, harnesses that creativity in people who play it, and um, you know, certainly like promotes storytelling too. If you think about it, because I imagine uh, this as well. Like, if you're playing with Polly Pocket. Uh, that you were playing with like the characters and you had like your own like you know voices for the characters personalities and all that stuff and they were going through like whatever situations that you had them in um as you said like that wasn't like a primary thing for you but i imagine that was like part of the play for you in that case right yeah for sure and then that's you know sims was i mean sims was the game that no matter what other games kind of came around um I stood by the entire way and probably because of all like the expansion packs that would come out. Right. Mm -hmm. So even if I was distracted for a little bit or bored, there'd be a new expansion pack that kind of made me go back to the Sims. But, you know, I, I I have to say like the Sims was the one game that for still to this day, my entire life, I have not given up and think about how many games we go through Mm. and you get, you know, you do like a three month span and then you don't play it for a while. And then maybe you pick it up again. Like the Sims is one of those games that I keep coming back to. And I don't think many people can say that about a lot of different types of games. I mean, that's overwatch for me, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) um, But Robert, I was kind of curious if you had any stories like playing the Sims, because I know you don't have like much experience with it, but if you have any, you know, experience playing it at all, I mean, I, I didn't really have any genuine experience of my own because when I got into my sessions, like I said, I really didn't do well. But I do remember like seeing a couple of uh, streaming friends of mine that had more luck with their creativity. Um, the first one is my buddy uh, Meg Cayley, who was over there at twitch.tv slash Meg Cayley. And uh, every once in a while she plays The Sims and she does it as this uh, 
Marge Simpson looking diva character that lives on the island shore. And okay. <laughs> all right. So they were getting in like one episode and everything. And then like, I, I guess they were trying to get food out of the fridge and there was no food in the fridge. So she spent like an hour, like, okay, where did this ham come from? And <laughs> it was rather interesting, but it was like one of those creative situations there. But I think, um, Probably my favorite. There's another streamer named Bloody Faster, Eleni. She's another friend of mine. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Bloody Faster TV, I believe. And what it is, uh, she streamed a session of The Sims, but she set it up like Tommy Wiseau's movie, The Room. Okay. So the characters are all there doing all this talking and everything like that. And all of a sudden the kitchen catches fire and, it, you know, they use, she used quotes from the movie. It was hilarious. This was a while ago, but it was still... It was still pretty amazing, you know. Age like oh, hi, Sims. (laughs) So how's your sex life? Uh, How's your sex life? (laughs) That's funny, Mark. That's funny. That's funny, Mark. (laughs) I did not kill her. Bullshit. Did not hit her. Yeah, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) And if Tommy Wiseau ever wants to come on our show, he's more than welcome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's just really cool to see what other players that are devoted to the series can come up with because it can come up with all sorts of like there's somebody who has like five hot tubs. in a really tiny house. I'm like, how? What do you want to live in water? Is that what this is? What's what's going on? It's Waterworld, the sequel. Are, yeah. Does Ariel <laughs> live here from the Little Mermaid? That's got to be the answer. <laughs> but I mean, some of these people just get really creative, and it's it's really a lot of fun just to watch these streamers go nuts and build this world and what what bizarre things happen. I think that's one of the cool factors that's been keeping the Sims going all these years is that the sheer creative creativity of its community. And, you know, sometimes things get a little off the rails and, like, you know, the people die a little too often, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, the whole thing about the creativity side of it, I, I think, is is really cool. And, like I said, I, if I had more time to invest, I'd create, like, a virtual world and it would be just, I don't know, a group of podcasters or something. You know, just right. <laughs> walking around a convention, you know. <laughs> David would be the one in the uh, Fatal Fury hat. You know, there of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ops, you know, but it, it's for me, it's more of a fun game to watch than to play because I mean, like, you have to invest a lot of time in it to mm. really get the other yeah. rewards out of it. But it's worth it. You do, but yeah, I, I could definitely see your point though, as far as it being fun to watch as well, because again, you're you're kind of like watching someone's like own little world in a sense, and the scenarios play out very uniquely depending on who's playing it in that case. So that's that's kind of the fun of it, really. Um, so Madison, where, where's like some of your favorite moments, like playing like the Sims, like some of the like favorite, like just like things that happened, like while playing the Sims? Yeah. I mean, so, so kind of like you, I would spend a lot of time building. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, like thinking back to it, I'm kind of going down memory lane right now. And there was this spinoff called the Sims stories. Do you remember that? I do remember hearing about it. I, I never played it, though. So See, I played the herbs. I didn't play that one. Okay, so The Sim Stories was basically like people that want to play The Sims 2 but had kind of wanted to play it on a laptop. Um, and it really it wasn't like free play mode. It had more like structured stories that you would go through. Kind of like castaway stories in a way. Um, but it was a version of it. And I remember playing that and just getting like really into the entire story of it. And just thinking like coming back to, you know, why I kept with the Sims is just because like they just 
kept releasing really interesting iterations of what the game could be. So, you know, when like free play mode and kind of like, you know, building became too arduous, they came out with things that had a very structured storyline to make you more interested. And that's kind of what I, you know, love and remember about it is the fact that like it, I was able to get both like the structure and both you know, the non-structure of kind of building and having my own life and doing that thing, which, you know, a lot of games don't always have, you know, a combination of both. Right. And so that that's kind of what I remember, you know, being so magical about it, you know. But, but I think about the reason why I was able to get into it is because, like, as a kid, you have so much free time, right? I remember, like, two or three months ago, right when I was starting this company, I tried to download Sims 4 again and start playing with it. And I think I did an entire weekend of playing and then realized that it was so much upkeep that I just couldn't devote the time to it that I wanted to. And so it kind of, it kind of, I'm like, I want to get back into it. But then realizing like the reason why it was so magical to me is because I had so much free time to really get into it and really devote my creativity. Right. You spend like a whole day making like the house space in and like yeah. you jump on like, you, you know, like the next day and spend the whole day just like playing the game. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as an adult, like with an adult as a job that's, you know, not in gaming, it's like you can't do that. And that's kind of that's like it's not that it lost its magic. It's now it's more like nostalgic for me because I, I can't devote all that time that I used to. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully one day, you know, you could take like a break from everything and just dive into like The Sims again at some point. Anyways, kind of experience that magic again. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we have some listener responses here also uh, talking about favorite moments and memories. Um, but before I get into that, actually, I should share my own. Um, so I do remember playing like the original Sims. Uh, that was like the only Sims I actually remember playing. Um, because I had the, uh, I think it was the deluxe edition, I want to say, that came with a couple of the expansion packs. I want to say it was Hot Date was definitely one of them, and Live in Large, I believe, was the other one that had like more like house items and stuff. Uh, but Hot Date I really liked because of the fact that you you could actually have your Sims go out into the city and go you know go like do stuff whatever, and you could actually make like your own businesses. And uh, one of them I remember I made like my own club basically like in in like the Sim City more or less. And so this club I basically spent as much time if not more really than my own house because I wanted to make basically like the perfect club or like the club with all the cool stuff basically with it. Um, so I remember adding in like uh, there's like a giant aquarium, there are go-go dancers, uh, there are like themed bathrooms, like there's all sorts of stuff going on. So um, it, it was a pretty crazy club, but like I remember it was just kind of like a lot of fun, just like the fact that like, oh my God, I, got, I can actually have my Sims leave their house and meet other Sims and all that. Like, it, was, it was pretty neat. Uh, so that, that was like the one memory that I remember the most of. But uh, from our listeners here, uh, there is Randy Schaff, who says Rosebud, and then making them set the house on fire and panic, obviously. <laughs> um, Andrew Sims, who says collecting the, ro- the royalties. <laughs> so a nice little joke on his name there. Um, Lee Gilgrass, who says putting wooden objects close to the fire, deleting doors and windows and burning the mofos. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. See, we, I was like, I, I was normal. You are not alone, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Roy Cotton, who says taking steps out of the pool and watching them drown. Oh, my God. Is <laughs> all this sounding familiar? <laughs> we could have like a therapy group for people that go back to their Sims. <laughs> right. It's like a social hour to drown like Sims and all that. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, Paul Grieve, who says selling the front door when they went to work. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> I had never tried that before, but obviously it would make it very difficult for them to get back into their own house for sure. <laughs> and uh, there's Kaylin Franco who says, one time my stepsister and I made a big house with our Sim husbands. Our kids turned out super ugly, so we made a burn room and set them on fire. Good times. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> my God. I thought I was sadistic. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And uh, last one here, uh, which has like multi parts after her, but uh, you know, I had to lead off here with uh, Samantha Massis, who says, I just love the random ass patch notes. So these are actual patch notes for The Sims 3. Um, and she posted like a video here and I'll have the video in the show notes as well. Cause the video itself is absolutely hilarious. Like the person who's like reading the show notes just has like the most infectious laugh you'll ever hear. It's, it's, it's worth watching. Uh, but some of the, uh, some of the patch notes here, uh, include fixed a tuning issue so that Sims now vomit at acceptable levels. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is no longer possible to try for baby with the grim reaper. <laughs> Uh, Sims who are on fire will no longer be forced to attend graduation before they can put themselves out. Um, wow. And a meteor can hit a building, which, uh, in which case everyone will run out before the collision. Those who do not exit the building will die. Sims automatically leave if a meteor is approaching, unless it is a school in which children are not allowed to leave and will always die. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, those are some of the patch notes. Uh, you can imagine like some of the busted stuff that would happen in The Sims. But um, yeah, a lot of good comments there. So thank you, everyone, for sharing your favorite Sims moments and memories there. A lot of good ones there. And happy, and happy Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The season, the season of giving. <laughs> and dead things, apparently. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's going to lead us now to uh, Ginkgo from you, Robert. I'll, I'll give away something a little more fun than dead kids probably. yeah <laughs> um i've got another code here for toji mineral back in the group this is of course the revival that brings back the beloved aliens as they explore yet another planet bothersome with humans of course uh here is a code for steam it is 2 g m 4 b d w e c w l 4 7 m y and that is for Toe Jam and Earl back in the groove on Steam. Enjoy and do let us know at twitter.com slash podcast if you redeem it. Indeed. And I uh, just want to give a shout out here to our patrons, Francisco Limas and Mac the Ball. So thank you very much, guys, for helping support the show. And if you, too, would also like to support the show, you could check us out at patreon.com slash artcast. And from there, you can see, like, all the different uh, perks and stuff that you can buy into uh, in order to help support the show. So every little bit counts. And thank you very much for that. And uh, Madison, uh, what else can you tell us about the Me Too kits, uh, what you're doing, basically, uh, that's, you know, that's very important, that's a lot more important than gaming, um, and also, like, where people can, you know, can find you online, too. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at MAP Campbell, so Map Campbell. Um, feel free to tweet me or follow me or do anything. And then you can check out our company at MeTooKit.com. Um, and sign up to receive more information for when we launch in the new year. But it's going to be insane. Very cool. Well, you're doing great work there. So Absolutely. Thank you. I did want to bring up one more topic before we close out, and that is the possibility of yet another revival, as if the Metroid games were enough to get excited over. Um, so over the week, uh, a journalist that uh, works for Spiel Times and Ninsoup, uh, Nusabi Sabi over there on Twitter, uh, indicated that according to an Activision contact that there were Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 demo prototypes being remade. Mm. Uh, they ran around internally, and what this indicates is that it could very well lead to remakes of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, 
possibly even a new game. Now, you might recall Tony Hawk kind of parted ways with Activision a while back, but it's Activision, so there's always the possibility of something coming back. And let's be honest, I mean, uh, if we weren't playing Sims in the late 90s, we were probably playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 and getting into a million point combos going. <laughs> That's like true, yeah. <laughs> so I think a revival of these games would be really smart. We did get Pro Skater HD on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 and PC a while back. So a redo for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and most importantly, Nintendo Switch would make sense. You know, Pro Skater 1 and 2 in some sort of package. And, you know, Activision doesn't really have too many IPs to work with these days, aside from Call of Duty and Crash Bandicoot. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be all for a new uh, Pro Skater game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like it would be like a great, uh, great comeback to after uh, after Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five. Um, yeah. I feel like this series definitely needs that, and uh, definitely let us know about what you think about a new Tony Hawk Pro Skater or the return of this franchise at Art Podcast on Twitter, or same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash Art Podcast. Yep. and you can find me on Twitter at the Guilty Man. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash DCD. You can also check out my work at gameper.com as well as pcinvasion.com and also over mmogames.com. That's where I'm currently freelancing, so be sure to look those up. And also, one more thing, guys. We know that you uh, you might be taking part in some Black Friday shopping sales. Just a reminder there. Please, please, please be nice to the people that are working there. More than mm. likely, these people are working their Thanksgiving holiday. Like, you know, GameStop's opening at 3 o'clock. And JCPenney's opening at 2 o'clock. It's not Black Friday. It's Black Thursday. <laughs> the, the people are busting their butts. And yeah, please, it's please Whack be nice Friday is more like it. Yeah, seriously. You know, just buy online like we do. That's the <laughs> <laughs> best way to do it and don't don't take part in the store shenanigans just right. a quick reminder and if you'd like to send us any feedback opinions retro games or topics for us to cover or anything at all really you can email us at argcast at retrozap.com and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts that you're home away from home if you're crazy about star wars animaniacs or pop culture in general there's also us with Ardcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. And that is episode number 186 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro, and remember, don't ask Mark about his sex life. <laughs> oh hi Mark. We just we just need a Tommy Wiseau Sims game now. We'll, we'll just go it just throw TVs out the window and everything. And like, oh. I mean imagine it'll be like easy enough to make Tommy Wiseau in the Sims anyway, so someone has to get on that if not already. You're tearing me apart, Maxis! <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> and thank you again for coming on our show, and we will see you guys after the Thanksgiving break with a new episode next week. Catch you later. Hey, this is Adam. This is Mike. And this is David. From Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover. We make a fortnightly video game podcast. Fortnite means every two weeks. Covering gaming news, game reviews. I give it five out of five tacos. And whatever crazy audience tweets come in. And sometimes celebrities like Arnold even stop by to sing karaoke. Oh, I love just like Buzzy Hall. 
Each episode, we feature one burning topic, game dev interview, or super guest friend from the world of gaming. Check us out on the HP Video Game Podcast Network or on sbfvgs.com. I don't care about that. Wow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.